All right. So this is Fostering Truth Productions. It's our first video podcast. I am with Mr. Tapia. Mr. Tapia, who are you? And would you like to give a little summary of our relationship and what you do that has to do with the foster care community? Well, hi, I'm Mr. Tapia. Hard for me to talk about myself, but um, I met Corey about six years ago, I want to say. Longer than that? Less I was than that? 12. You were 12? Oh, yes, I'm 24 now. Okay, 12 years ago. Holy cow. You know, time flies when you're having fun. So 12 years ago uh, at Kansas Academy, he came in, uh, you know, trying to be a little troublemaker. And, uh, and uh, not knowing about probably what our facility and campus had to offer. So, um, you know, he tested limits, did all kinds of stuff like that. And normally what young men would do when they come into our program. So um, obviously I think I did a little good by him because he reached out to me all these years later to help out with this um, situation. So in that situation, it's a great thing, I should say, that he's trying to help out with future youth, which is always awesome to me. And uh, I worked with uh, a company called Rite of Passage for going on technically 17 years, but I'm hitting, since I came back, I'm hitting my 15 year mark. Um, started, what I hate to say, is the, the bottom floor of it as a coach counselor, which I believe is the most important part because he, as coach counselors deal with the students the most. So, um, but now I moved my way up after several years and now I'm training new staff coming in uh, to help um, them be able to encourage youth to do what is right by, by society standards because unfortunately that's what we got to go by um, to be successful in the community. When I say successful, I don't mean millionaires. I mean being able to live their lives, paying their bills, and their families, all that kind of stuff. To me, that's successful. Um, and uh, trying to give the new staff tools how to deal with the students that might come at them um, aggressively, might come at them uh, as pushing them back, push back, anything like that. And just, just build on their strengths and move forward. And I think that's all I got. Sweet. Can't believe that you kind of shorted me out on our relationship here, though. Uh, <clears throat> that's okay, though. And <laughs> secondly, I don't think that I tried to be a troublemaker. I think that I did just fine actually being a troublemaker. There was no trying in it, you know. So um, there's a there's a quote. Oh, well, I appreciate. It. I think there's a quote from Yoda. I'm not even gonna try to quote it perfectly, but basically, it's "Don't try, just do." Um, something like that. And I'm pretty sure that I lived that quote. Um, anyways, uh, working in rite of passage, it's, it's more of a high risk area for kids where they have more trauma and, and less knowledge on how to deal with their trauma. Um, and it comes out as anger or yeah, mostly just anger. Um, you would have to assume that it takes a special kind of person to be able to 
work with these kids. I remember specifically being just a jerk. Like I, I would yell, I would say crazy things just because I was trying to be tough, but it was more to protect myself based off my past experiences. So I, I think now that I'm an adult, seeing it from the other side of things, um, yeah, being a coach counselor is probably one of more one of the more impactful roles that you can work at in Canyon State or rite of passage um, to be able to play a, a beneficial role for these kids. Um, switching gears, we assigned you to the movie. Uh, Instant family. Yes. Instant family. And um, I asked you to watch this movie and participate in this episode because uh, in the first episode of Fostering Truths Productions, I asked you and a few other people what your perception was of the foster care community and what could lead to be a mis uh, a disservice to the community. And one of the things you talked about was that some of these children will get adopted and the f adopted parents will think that these kids are going to come and be super thankful and act positively and appropriately as a sign of gratitude for being adopted. And most cases that's not the case. And I think that when making this movie, they did a really good job displaying the uglier side of adoption and before before I just let that uglier side of adoption statement go, I you have like when I was put into this therapeutic foster home at one point, I ended up running away from that therapeutic foster home and ended up being put back in a Canyon State Academy because I couldn't be controlled. But that wasn't because I was an angry person. That was because my trauma and my way of protecting myself was to run away from things that made me uncomfortable, even though what was making me uncomfortable was these two folks trying to teach me how to be a better man. And so that happens a lot in adoption and it really showed in this movie. So that's what I mean by the uglier side of adoption, because adoption is a very beautiful thing. It's a beautiful concept. You're bringing somebody that you really don't know into your home and you're telling them that they're a part of your family and you're, you're really, you're, you're letting your guard down. You're letting your, your walls down as a, as a parent, you have responsibilities to protect your kid. And you're saying, not only am I going to let my walls down to to allow you to be part of our family, I'm going to make you our family. So you are going to be protected by me as well. You are going to be cared for. You are going to be loved and you you are you are this family now. Um, and so it is it is, in essence, a beautiful concept with a lot of ugly things that can be attached to it. So, yeah, um, while watching the movie, did you feel more? educated as to what it might be like to adopt well uh it, it does give insight uh well as you already know that i i did go through an adoption so but it it does give an insight for uh, um people thinking about it about um taking that journey actually i just had a new hire in in my uh, new hire class talking about 
groups are looking into foster care and that kind of stuff, as well as being a coach. And I and I suggested that movie. I said, go watch this movie. It's going to show you things um, to make sure. And, the, and, and, and one of the hard parts about adoption was her first thing was, I want a baby. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not fair. Everybody wants a baby. <laughs> Why? Because if it's a baby, you can teach it from very from the very beginning and that that child's going to mold you but there's very there's various ages out there that that deserve a good home also being from you know five anywhere other than a baby toddler and up you know they already start building their personalities and everything like that and then you get a teenager that's been scorned lied to over the years many times by different agencies i'm going to put you here i'm going to put you there so it did depict that in the movie. Um, I also go refer because it kind of remind me of um, uh, a guy. I watch his video and I actually show it to my newer class because I say, "This is the mentality you have to have when you work in what we do." And his name is Josh Ship. And uh, one of the things he said here, "I'm a 14 year old boy, and they put me in this my umpteenth foster home." And he said he made a joke. He says. We teach our kids, don't take candy from strangers, but here's a new family. Here you go. So, and they're complete strangers. So, and his thing was, he had a bunch of trauma over the years and uh, he was already looking at a way to get kicked out. And what people got to understand is youth are tired, in my opinion, through my experience, youth are tired of getting put in these situations just just to be put away they're scared to build relationships because if some little thing goes wrong they could be put out and that's what he was doing that uh because josh ship he was like i said a foster uh kid and uh he uh he was doing everything he could and he said uh seven years later or four years later something like that this guy i couldn't shake this guy so he finally uh, opened a bank account, put like 80 bucks, I think he said, in it, and wrote $10,000 in check. And um, the mentality that he says, and I think that we should have, that when the, he asked his foster father to come down, he goes, no, you got to stay. I'll pick you up in the morning. And then he said, um, he said, uh, he said, when are you going to get through your head? We're not going to kick you out. We don't see you as a problem. We see you as an opportunity. And I think that was great because that's what the, with the Kansas State kids, foster kids, they all need that. And he has my favorite quote that says, every kid is one caring adult away from being a success story. And that's true because we can think back to that one person that was always in our lives. And that, and going back to that movie, because I kind of got off subject, but going back to that movie, that's what those parents were. That's what Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch was. And uh, I don't remember the, the lady, the actress lady's name, but that's what they were. It was hard at first, but they kept striving. Even though they wanted to give up, they kept striving. And I think that's very important. And there's going to be struggles like in that movie. Now, one thing that I noticed in that movie that's not true everywhere is how involved those case managers were. That is true. Now, those case, yeah, those case managers are very involved. And like I said, I went through that adoption and it took two years to adopt my son because um, the case managers in the state that I currently reside in, 
um, kept leaving the company, dropping the ball, all kinds of stuff. And uh, it just took forever. And the only reply we kept getting back is, or I kept getting back is that, oh, we're waiting on Arizona to send us the paperwork because it was interstate compact. So we're waiting on Arizona and Arizona's like, what are you talking about? We already sent all the paperwork. And then there was even a time that we didn't see a case manager for four months. And I said, when's your last case? I said, four months. I said, they haven't had no home business or anything like that. So that delayed the process. So that was the annoying part. So actually the family in that, in that movie were very lucky to have those. And I'm sure there is case managers out there that are that dedicated, but it's just few and far between because it's a highly stressful job trying to place these students. How old was your son when you sorry. How how old was your son when you adopted him? He hey man, I'm not good with years. I wanna say he was a freshman. So how old are you when you're a freshman? 14, 15? 15. He just turned fifteen. And well just just a brief summary of where's your son now i i mean like i know the answer but like for other people just to prove a point he's up he's at the university of arkansas uh not my first sure, but he's there uh majoring in finance business finance he's doing awesome but again i want to tell everybody out there my situation was also different when it came to the adoption because i've been in his life since he was um three months old because my younger son and um, his name, his, his, my younger son had two brothers, and the one was too old to adopt by the time I got that opportunity. And then the one that's at the University of Arkansas that I got to adopt, um, I was with their mom. They all have the same mom. Okay. So when she passed away, uh, she actually wheeled the boys, not my, not, not my youngest. Like she actually willed those two brothers to a friend, which that was a whole messed up situation. And then I got a call one night about, I want to say about 1130 at night and said, uh, would you be willing to take them as an emergency placement? I was like, heck yeah, because the situation they were in, I was out of their life without my, not by my choice. So my situation is a little different because there was no, I didn't, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but. I didn't have to get someone placed with me. I was going after him. Right. But but I guess the point that I was trying to prove is uh, I, I think the biggest misconception and stigmatism of adopting a teen is that they're going to be locked into their ways. And so they might as well not adopt these kids because they're just going to be way more difficult to, to adopt. And, and that cut that, shows up in a lot of movies even the the i can't speak to the older annie the original annie because i never saw it but the newer annie with jamie fox it talks about <laughs> it talks about kind of that oh we're teens nobody's going to going to want to adopt us anyways because we're too old and and it shows up a lot in movies um do you have any input since you do work with a lot of teens I think in all reality, it kind of does go that way. Actually, um, not speaking too much about prior history at, uh, at uh, my Arizona campus, we we had a young man out there that it was so hard. Uh, maybe he was 13 to where we even got him on TV. They had a, um, 
some adoption thing with the news, and we had a Wednesday's kids, I think they called it, and uh, we had we put them on there and to help out because he was placed with us, but he had no placement, and, and it was very difficult to him place when he was when he was um, a teenager. So I think some some kids do feel that way that. No one wants us because we're not cute little cuddly little babies. I think parents also just believe that though. It way it makes yeah. sense though. Because I mean at fifteen, like sixteen, I was I was a knucklehead, like but I think given the right circumstances, it would have changed me a little bit i would have eventually been able to lower my guards down see that's the problem though even in this movie it it it, they were all they all two of them happened to be teens and they gave these two parents hell like they they really did give them the worst the worst that they could muster um Mm -hmm. it's like i guess trying to hone us back in it for a second that that kind of brings me back to the question of Number one, do you think that Hollywood can play a pivotal piv? Do you think that Hollywood can play a pivotal role in representing the foster care community? Yes, I I do because you know a lot of people are influenced by what they see on TV, what they see in the movies. So, like you said, if they if they continue to show how hard it is for teenagers to get adopted, and they're gonna act like those that young lady in the movie, the main girl I think I don't remember how old she was but how much grief she gave the parents um that's going to change that mentality um for somebody that's like hey I'm going to get a teenager oh wait a minute maybe not okay so I agree with you totally on that um they can play pivotal but but in the same aspect is we don't want them to put false information out there too so it leads right. people when they're blind. So, and 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 I believe for those that haven't seen, I'm sorry, but I believe that the way it ended is a definite possibility with that perseverance of the phone. Because because again, they're gonna push, push, push. They they, they foster kids um, when the students I deal with every day, they can feel, they can feel if you're true, right, or you're just right. manipulating. They can feel that. So in the beginning, she questioned them, but after time and after constant discussions and arguments and, and all that kind of stuff, she finally understood that, hey, they're here for me. They're taking care of my they're taking care of my younger siblings, even the little cry one. Ooh, that would have got me, man. I'd be like, hey, you know. but uh but, but uh that would have got me big time, but she could see that because uh, again, if you remember, she wanted to be the mom, and she wouldn't let the foster mom be the mom. But eventually, she let her guard down and let that happen, all that kind of stuff. So we still push the limits here and there to see where their mindset and where their heart was at. Right. I think it's interesting you bring up though that they we can we can kind of have an intuition, so to speak, because like I remember directly in specific facilities like you kind of you kind of knew who was there for like a paycheck and and then Mm -hmm. but you also could see and you could genuinely feel within yourself who really like their their heart poured out 
for these kids. Like their, their whole energy was about developing these kids. Uh, and, and I think those relationships stick and not to like, you know, butter you up or anything, but like, I think I have a relationship with you now as, as an adult, because you, you were one of those people that really showed how invested you were into helping us be developed individuals. And, um, while you happen to run a program called refocus refocus was basically detention for kids that were disruptive in class or in their housing settings we would sit and do homework and we would go work out or we would go do community service around campus such as picking up trash or sweeping sidewalks these these things developed character but it was also it wasn't just it wasn't just about the task that we had to do. It was about who was running those tasks. Um, and so when you ran refocus, it was like, you know, I'm in trouble, but it was also, there is that mentorship feeling where like, you kind of like, kind of like a father figure where it's like, you know, like we'd have these conversations and well, what'd you do? And I would be super defensive I would, well, it was their fault. They did this. They did that. Staff don't know what they're talking about. That's a crooked staff member. And then you you would bring me down. Okay. But like, what did you do? And then, well, I cussed him out. Well, what could you have done instead of cussing him out? And we'd have these intellectual conversations and process this at a slower rate so that I could see those actions that kind of made me look more immature or did a disservice to myself um because what i didn't understand was everything that i did was documented and every case manager saw these documents and how could you put me in a nicer group home or a nicer placement if i was acting like an a-hole uh, there's just no way to do that and so it was those little mentorship opportunities opportunities that I had with staff like you or Mr. Bradley or Mr. King or Mr. Harris uh, that really kind of slowed me down and gave me the opportunity to process things a little different. I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have staff members like you guiding me. So you really can get a, a, a more of a feeling for kind of who people are in your lives by just watching and then there's people like um i remember um miss paxton she she was just mean like you know but if you were if you listened she'd be less mean and then she went up to arkansas and you know did arkansas things and we never saw her again yeah, I think she's lost in the woods somewhere writing a deal. You know what? She probably is. I heard that there's a a story coming up that she's riding deer like Texas Pete rode a tornado. But anyways, I just can't get past that southern draw. It was so frustrating because half the times you couldn't understand what she was saying, but you know she meant well. Um yeah. but that's neither here nor there. Um do you think that the community is either well represented or underrepresented. Uh, I would say under because 
the world of foster care and the, and the and the world that I work in, there's always outside. There's just perception, snapshot perception. Like the, the the campus I'm at now is nothing like the campus you were on. You were on like a junior college, nice foresty campus. The campus I'm on now is the secure campus. So when you're rolling up, we have the fence. I stay with the giant slinky on top, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, the barbed wire. Okay. Yes, right. Ra- yeah, razor wire. And and uh and uh the rooms, your guys' rooms, no doors on any of the bedrooms. They have locked doors. So at yeah, so at night they're behind locked doors on uh 80% of the cottages. There's a few that are open. Well, a student gave me this. He said open living environments. I'm keeping that because I like to keep terminology to normalization and not to, um, you know, the norm. Okay. So, but the history of this campus, we took over the campus in 2016. So there's a long history before we even got there. Okay. And so people in our community are, under perception that it's a juvenile jail. And that's not what we are. Even though it kind of looks like it, we are not that. We always say schoolhouse, not jail. And so now we're doing more as far as more community outreach to change that perception. Um, Remember Ram's status? Yeah, I want that gone so bad. You know me, I want that gone so bad. But you remember Ram's status, right? Respect, attitude, motivation, spirit. Yeah, so we had, I'm, no, it don't. And, and, I, and I, I took over that. I'm now an advisor. And my first, I want one, two, three, four, five, six, six rams. I took them on an outing. And uh, this is the first time ever we were able to take students out on an outing to do community stuff. So we have, Arkansas has um, a former president, President Clinton. And everywhere you have a president, I guess they have a library. Mm-hmm. It's not a real library of books. I found that out. But it's like basically their life. It's like a museum dedicated to that president. So what was cool is I took these young men out, which in their mind, they had the perception that they were already going to be stereotyped. So they're going out there. They got nice black pants on. They got the letterman's jacket, everything. They were so nervous. We walked in there, and all they got was compliments. That's all they got. People you wouldn't think would come talk to if they knew what they did. Right. You wouldn't come talk. They were coming and talking to them, saying how handsome are. A couple of them froze because I prepped them before we go. We went. Some of them froze, and I helped out a little bit. But just to have them get that experience and people, they were like, man, they don't see us like that. I even got a picture of them. In the, they had a replica of the global office. And I had a, I got a picture of them with the president of the Rams folks sitting at the desk and everything. But they, they, uh, they were so impressed and so happy, the smiles on their face of how they were being treated. Of course, I made jokes along the way. But they're like, who are you guys? Oh, well, we're the, we're the Ajax Chess Club and stuff like that. But then I let them know that they're leaders on our campus, and nothing's really been done like we've done in Arkansas as an organization. And, we're helping to we're hoping to change the perception of what we do. We have now five campuses on in in Arkansas that we can help mentor youth, and we're up to 
probably over 300 students, not just on my campus, but all in total. So, um, and we reduce, we reduce the risk to reoffend greatly in Arkansas. But we want to also change the perception of how these students, I call them students because that's what we call them student athletes, these children of authority, that we can care. So, and, uh, and there is still hope for you. Sorry, I get passionate about what I do. To wrap it up, do you have any advice for anybody that may potentially be looking to foster or adopt kids based on, you know, obviously experience from actually adopting kids or a kid to working with kids directly involved with the system? Uh, just be yourself. Uh, going back to that movie, uh, the parents were trying too hard they were. To, uh, to, to be like loving yep. And, and I think that that kind of kind of set the oldest young lady off, like they're being fake. So you want to be yourself. You you want them to know that you're there. You want them to know that you're going to be persistent. And going back to that shot, Josh Shifton, you want to let them know that they're an opportunity, not a problem. Because in life, as we grew up, none of us were perfect. We all had issues as teenagers, as youth. We all got in trouble. There's not one human being out here that can't say they didn't get in trouble in one form or fashion. Um, so you got to stick with them, and you got to believe that they're your children. You can't say, well, they're my adopt." No, they are your kids. That's the main thing. My son, he never second guess that. Never. So, um, yeah, and I see yeah, you so, posting like you you always are posting about I I didn't even realize that he was adopted like you would never like just looking at your social media and listening to the conversations you have about your son you would never know that he was adopted you do such a good job um bringing him into the family so yeah, yeah he well like and there, and 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 don't go in it for the money. I never even knew there was money's get, not like, there. subsidies. Yeah, you money's get subsidies, but but I'm like, that was part of the issue. I'm gonna be honest, that was part of the issue why that lady wanted uh, my two boys. And uh, I was like, they're like, well, we give you this. I was like, I don't need that. That's my boy. I don't, whatever, yeah. you know. So you you got to go into it knowing these are going to be your kids, no matter if it's a a, a one day old or a a 17-year-old or whatever, what you do in that in that kid's life is going to greatly impact them into whatever they're going to do into the future. When we constantly post facts of how, how uh, most foster kids get in this kind of trouble or they don't do this or they don't do that, we do post a lot of that. But if you look at it the way I look at it, that's not 100%. So there is kids out there in the foster care system or and are been adopted that are being successful. My other son that, uh, my, my son's older brother, I don't want to say their names, but you know what I'm talking about. He's yeah. 23 right now, and uh, he's in school. He's doing great. And he, and he, and he, I mean, no real issues out of any of my boys. And, uh, and I could say that. So did I get lucky? No, I didn't get lucky. It's just the work that you put in there. It's just the work that you put in there that uh, that that 
gets them where they really need to be. And it's a hard road. You're always going to think that, whether it be a baby or a teenager, it's always going to be hard. Right. Um, well, thank you for... two episodes. <laughs> I don't know. No, this is going to be one good episode. I haven't been able to keep a long episode, as I'm sure all of our listeners know. It's been like 16 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes. This is going to be about 45 minutes. So, like, we finally got some it. content. Oh, no, we're keeping we're keeping all of this in there. Um, it's obviously a little sloppy. Um, and for our, our guests, it's going to remain sloppy for another couple weeks just because we're growing. Um Mr. Tapia, don't be putting no money into my account. So this is all coming out of my pocket. <laughs> uh, but no, on a serious note, thank you for joining. Um, I, I sure hope we could find Miss Paxson though, because it's getting cold out there. So yeah, I got buddies that go hunting. So yeah, and and, and we shouldn't apologize because it's sloppy because we're not here to we're not here to make everything perfect. We're here to be real with everybody, and we're gonna have those perks here and there. So. Hey, if we're sloppy, we're sloppy. Don't well, be no perfect. If you're sloppy, that. I'm a perfectionist. I'm perfect, okay? Oh, your you hair's a little sloppy. out of place, I think. Dude, I'm well. telling you. Anyways, <laughs> well, thank you for joining. Um, I look yeah. forward to talking to you again. And yeah, with that being said, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>